0: Good evening and welcome to episode
1: 09 of uh, the Borussia Dortmund London Community Podcast. And this week, as it's our 09th episode, um, amazing, 09, (laughs) we're at nine already, time flies when you're having fun. We have with us Delron Delron. Boxley, the former Borussia Dortmund player. Hi. Hi, Delron. Hi, guys. Also with us on the show tonight uh, is, um, tonight will be my co-host, is um, Colm McNamola. How are you doing, Colm?
2: I'm good, Ben. How are you? It's good to see you. haven't seen you for about two weeks, so I hope everybody's keeping safe in the middle of this crazy, crazy time that we're all living in. That's right. That's right. Have you been working this week? I have been working uh, since, well, since the start of the year. I haven't had any time off, so um, I've got next week off to kind of sit and just chill out and um I think all the UK football's kinda of getting back together. So I think I kinda of timed that quite well. Um, to take a to take a week off work with the UK football starting up. The the Bruce Dortmund or the Bundesliga is obviously still going. So I think I've picked a very good week.
1: Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And the Premier League uh, will be starting next week as well, which I'm sure we'll get to chat a bit about during the show. Um so and then also on the show with us is um, Philip Bucher, who is uh, from, uh, from Germany, a journalist from Germany, from Radio Brandenburg. Have I got that right, Philip?
3: Radio Berlin Brandenburg, that's the ARD network in Germany, yeah.
1: Okay. Absolutely excellent. And you've got a thing or two to say about Delron, um, because you've been following his career for some some years, uh, and you were saying earlier particularly uh, you were impressed with his time with Paul for Bochum, am I right?
3: Well, actually, the year I remember most was the one uh, with Bielefeld, um, but we co- we come to that later. That Absolutely was really right. impressive.
1: <laughs> well, let, yes, indeed, I've seen many of these goals. So let's get straight to it then. And um, Philip, uh, yeah, talk to uh, well, let's 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 talk to Delron then about his time with Fortuna Bochum. Um, I'm going to just do an introduction. Um, so Delron is a um, former South Africa international winger. Currently currently a uh, UEFA-licensed coach and football academy owner who, plays in the Bundes- who played in the Bundesliga for, uh, obviously, Borussia Dortmund, VfL Bochum, Arminia Bielefeld, Karlsruhe SC, uh, forgive my pronunciation, Mainz 05, Mainz 05, before finishing off two seasons with Mar- Maritzburg United in the top tier of South African football and uh, retiring then obviously to set up the academy in 2014. Um, Delron is the seventh most capped South African football player and scored uh, 45 goals in 398 professional matches. A German citizen, Delron, Delron chose to play for South Africa and represented the country 73 times, as I mentioned. Uh, he played alongside legends like former Leeds United player Lucas Radebe and uh, Benny McCarthy, who many listeners will know. And uh, we'll be hearing Delbron played at um, the France '98 and South Africa and South Korea Japan '2002 World Cup. So. Uh, after that introduction, I'm going to hand over to Philip to talk about Delron's career, uh, starting off at a very young age at Falker Vor- Bochum. So over to you, Philip.
3: Or over the, over to Darren. Darren, we should probably give uh, Borussia Dortmund fans an idea of what kind of city and what kind of club Bochum was back then. Um, with all respect, do, do can you explain the word Fahrstuhlmannschaft? To The British audience, <laughs> yeah,
4: it <laughs> means ele- elevator, elevating team or club because <laughs> what happened? We used to get relegated, get promoted back into the Bundesliga, back into the second league every year, so that's why they call us a too much It means elevating team.
3: <laughs> Funny enough, that <laughs> in between, when whenever Bo- you and Bochum played in the Bundesliga, you had like really decent campaigns, sometimes even made it to the top third, making to the UEFA Cup. Um, that was the surprising thing that you got relegated in one year, then promoted, and then sometimes really had a very good campaign yourself as well. How, did, how is that even possible?
4: Well, you know, I when I first started for Bochum, I was uh, 17 years old. And when I made my, my breakthrough into the first team, is when I was 18, 18 years old. And at the time we had, um, I think you know, the, the coach um, Klaus Topmüller, who took uh, Leverkusen to the Champions League final, was my coach at the time. And for uh, Bochum was a club that didn't have financial good money to spend on players, to buy good players. So they would just uh, buy cheap players which had the quality um, to survive in, in the Bundesliga. But, uh, you know, one thing leads to another. If you don't win games, you know, you can have the best team or not the best team because you're bound to get relegated. So every year, we get relegated. The next year, we get promoted. Next year, relegated. And next year, get promoted. And then what happened was, there was a time, I think it was, it was um, in 1998, in was it 98, 97, is where Bochum really had or bought quality players. they bought quality national players like Henry Baluchinski. They came from Poland. Uh, Thomas Waldoch, he was a Polish national defender. We had um, Maurizio Gaudino in the team. Darius Fosch, who was too. playing for the German national team, and so on, and and Peter Kutzler. So we had good quality players, which we actually qualified for UFA Cup in uh, in 97, 98 And I was the age of 18 years old, coming from South Africa and experiencing all this. And for me, it was one of my greatest highlights, because to play in UEFA Cup with 4 Bochum, which was a traditional team that didn't have money, you know, to buy top, expensive, quality players and then uh, uh, qualifying for UEFA Cup And that year in 97-98, I think we made it to the quarterfinals of UEFA Cup and got knocked out by, by Ajax.
3: And there were quite a few players, you named some of them, who really had a very, very high high level of football skills. Um, there was quickness on the team. There was a very high skill level on the team in, in some years. Um, if you remember Bochum back then, Bochum is clearly a working-class area. It's actually not that far from Dortmund, uh, Borussia fans might know. Uh, the, the arena even back then was a pretty... I would say not such a nice uh, arena it's for, uh, a, actually a large concrete bowl exactly because if you see 4 for Bochum it's like a, well actually
4: it's known as like as a, as a fam, it's a family team because it's it's so, it's so very small you have about 20,000 to 30,000 fans that coming to watch you i mean that's the capacity the stadium would hold and then you the, the good thing about it, playing in the stadium it was so compact and so small that you felt the atmosphere. You know, I mean, as I said, for me, 18 years old, coming from South Africa, been on this field, and uh, you discover or you experience that uh, playing in in a sold-out stadium and uh, the fans are behind you, cheering for you. So for me, to be honest with you, it was more like a traditional family uh, club that supported each other through, through the years, either getting relegated or getting promoted. So that's a good thing about football, Bochum, which which lies on my heart because I played there for nine years. I came to Germany in '94. All right, couldn't speak a word. As I said, couldn't speak a word German. Coming from South Africa, Durban, where you have, in winter, at least 25 degrees in winter, yeah. winter. And you jump on a plane, and then you come to Germany, and then the minute you leave the airport, it's minus five degrees. So I'm sure you saw that film Cool Runnings when the guy comes out. In, like, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> it was almost the same feeling, but um, I had I had to I had to seek through it, and it was to be honest with you, it was very tough uh, coming to a different country, the language, the coldness. Um, that time, you know, Germany wasn't wasn't cosmopolitan. No one spoke English in Germany, so you had to learn and speak speak German. And then if you, uh, I know, I remember the first club I went to on trials was rot Essen as a 16-year-old, 16-year-old came into this changing room and you could see the coldness, you know, because the players looked at you like, what, what are you doing here? You come and take my position. Huh? And they would show you that. They would show you, you know, they would give that coldness. But if you show them how good you were, if they showed you how hard, how hard working, then you will fall into the circle. And that's what happened when I went to Fort Bochum is when they realized, you know, oh, this player is fast, he's dynamic. He yeah, has skill and he's only 16 years old. That's why uh, under Top Muller, he took me into his, into, well, under his wing, into the team that he had. And he actually called me his, his mini Ronaldo at the time when I was 17 oh. years old, when I made my breakthrough. Mini Ronaldo, because I was so fast with the ball, he didn't, he's never seen a player that was dynamic and unbelievable like Usain Bolt on a ball. So he was fascinated with that. It was my luck. Awesome. And um, I,
1: I remember that you played there with a player called Sunday Olise, who I remember well from the Super Eagles, the Nigerian national team. Was, that a, was, that a, was it good to be playing with Sunday?
4: Um, what kind of character was he? Well, Sunday was, he was a very good guy. You know, his character was top, but the minute he put his foot on the pitch and you didn't work hard, you didn't uh, produce with the team, you will get to see the different side of Sunday Olise. Which which I like because he was a team player that would push players because he wants to win. You know, if we had lose, he would come into the changing room, and uh, he will show you that he's upset. You know, yeah. and through him, I've I've learned a lot. Playing under him, uh, you know, when the African African guys play with each other, you know, they help each other. You know, they respect each other. And through him, I've learned honestly a lot, a lot, a lot of being a top professional footballer. That's, that's
1: really insightful. Um, I met Martin Krey, who I guess you know. Um, I interviewed him in 2017. He was uh, part of the Dortmund team that won the um, Champions League. Champions League, now, yeah. He's now a board member at VfL um, at Bochum. And he talked a lot about the difference between Bochum and Borussia Dortmund being very much a family club and so on. I can only imagine that the qualification for the uh, UEFA Cup and playing those European games must have been really sensational uh, in 2004. Do you have any special memories
4: of uh, of, of that UEFA Cup campaign? Well, in 2004, uh, we, I, we did qualify for the UEFA Cup, but then I had left for Verbotten to go to Bielefeld. Because two years before that, I wasn't a regular. And you know, if a player sits on the bench and doesn't play, he gets irritated because I want, I'm a player that I want to play. And uh, I was very happy at the time that we qualified for UEFA Cup. It was like winning winning the, the Bundesliga. And as I said, fourfeld Bochum lied on my heart because I was there for nine years. And then now after nine years, I had to leave because I wasn't a regular player and I wanted to be a regular player. And that's when I went to, to Bielefeld in, in, in 20, well, 2004. But for me, the most important, uh, I mean, the, the best feeling was the first time with 4 Bochum qualifying for UEFA Cup. Because at the time, we had players, you know, like now if you see, if, if, you, if you go to 4 Bochum, you have a lot of young players and everybody's happy to be, to play for 4 Bochum. There wasn't this uh, this, this teamgeist pushing. You didn't have big players like if you would make one one mistake, he will shit on you, you know. And then you will know, okay, I can't make this mistake again. I have to do it right because it's the I got the team that I need. I need to bring forward. But now, now at Bochum, you don't see that. You don't see the players pushing each other, you know, to want to want to be successful. That's why for me, in 1997 when we qualified for UEFA Cup, it was for us like winning the Bundesliga because it was I think it was the first time ever. Hoffal Bochum had qualified for something big, also not qualifying, but but also also qualifying. But the most important thing was, because of qualifying, financial wise, they were getting a lot of money for the club to be stabilised in the Bundesliga.
2: Um, So yeah, you left um, Bochum after nine years, um, and you went to Bielefeld. Was this move seen as like a chance to get a fresh start away? Um, the la the season before you finished kind of didn't probably go the way that you wanted and did you get finally like, you have a fresh start at a, at a newly promoted side
4: well as i said to you um, the last two years of, of my nine years at Bochum, i, I went't to a regular and all of a sudden i became a player that was sitting on the bench coming on for five minutes ten minutes and then it was getting to me because i, I, I needed to play so then of course course, my contract. I still had one, one, one year left on my contract before I went to Bielefeld. and then I asked uh, Bochum to let me go. And I was looking for a team, a team to go to. I was in talks with with Schalke, and but nothing came through. I was in talks to uh, uh, Leverkusen, but I think Bochum wanted too much money for me. And then what happened? Um, at the last minute, the last when the window was closing, is where um, uh, Bielefeld came in and offered Bochum uh, money for me. But it wasn't much. I think it was about 200, 200,000. It's not even, there's nothing. I think Bochum just wanted to get rid of me at the time. But it was, you know, as I said, it was up, up my alley because Uwe Ropolda was a coach at the time where, where they just got promoted back into the Bundesliga. And I think his concept and his tactics was to build a team around me. Even afterwards, when I was there for about a year, he said to me, the reason why I brought you to Bielefeld, because I knew like, how intelligent you were as a footballer, how fast you were, and I knew I could build a team around you which will have success not only for Bielefeld, but also for him and for me, and which he did. He built a quality team around me with Evan Skela, with uh, Fata Fatmia and um, Darmaya, Rudiger. We had good quality players, and... Uh, what I can say is that when I first approached Bielefeld, for me, it was, it, was, it was something different. It was the first time, after nine years, going to a different team. And the first four months, I could, I could feel I, wan- I wasn't wanted at this team. Because Darren Bakri, coming from 4 Bochum, and Bielefeld were little rivals. Whenever they played against each other, it was like a, like a, like a, yeah, a far derby, which both teams hated each other. And then I come from Bochum to Bielefeld. So it took some time. It took about at least two to three months until, uh, well, actually the fans and and the players started getting used to me, started making me feel comfortable in their circle that it got to such an extent where um, we had such a good team spirit that no team could beat us. There was actually teams like Bayern Munich that were scared when they came to play against Bielefeld because we were so strong. We weren't strong because of the quality we had. We were strong because of the mentality of the players, of of the team spirit amongst each other.
2: That's incredible. Um, you said that you were, they caught the overall cost was about 200,000. I think after scoring 18 goals at sea, <laughs> I think the best 200,000, I think they're probably ever. <laughs> I'm uh, sure. I'm definitely sure. Um, also, reading through some of the stats that year, um, you managed to score in both games against Ockham. What was it like? Was it a kind of a, sent- a sentimental saying, I'm sorry, or were you just kind of delighted to maybe get one over against them?
4: All right, before the game against Bochum, was the first game we played in Bielefeld home game. Um, you know, I was very astonished and I was really just, dis- uh, dis- I was very really heart sore because I couldn't believe how my, the, my ex-teammates from Bochum and the coaches were hammering me in, in the papers saying, yeah, we're happy he's gone. We didn't need him anyway, and so on and so on. So that actually really hurt me. And then what happened that whole week, reporters were trying to get in contact with me, you know, trying to get more MO to counter back at Bochum, but I didn't. I put my phone off, and I said to myself, there's only one way to keep people mouth shut, uh, is to show them what I'm made of. And then what happened, the game came, and um, I think I scored in the last minutes. I was, and was The goal that I scored was unbelievable, and that was goal of the month. So uh, that was the first game I shut their mouths. And then the second half we played in Bochum, Bochum was winning 1 0, and they thought they were going to win three points in the back. And what happened? Down Buckley comes, bam, header, 1 1. Sorry, guys, we will score a point. So that, I hurt them where it hurts the most. Would they hurt me in the papers? Yeah. That's brilliant. Um, did you celebrate? Yeah, of course, definitely.
2: Yeah. 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 (laughs) Back then, everyone did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's just because, like, whenever you kind of see ex-players going back to their previous clubs, certain players would kind of be maybe a bit hesitant to maybe celebrate against their ex-sides. But clearly, after the hammering that you got in the press that week, that um, you had no other choice but to celebrate and obviously to get one over on on them as well as... um, on them as well as Botcom themselves. Yeah. at the end of that season, you're only there for one year. Um, as I said, 18 goals that season, in the league and cup. Um, they avoided relegation, which I think is the the ultimate aim for any promoted side from from any league really, is to stay up the next season. You finished above Bockham that year. Um, could it, it couldn't have gone any better for you that year, could
4: it? No, it went perfectly. To be honest with you, it was the best football I have played in my life. Mm. Was uh, in Bielefeld. Um, you know, I couldn't believe how how friendly the people were in Bielefeld. They even uh, made a scarf called Buckleyfield, not Bielefeld. Yeah, and all the fans had the scarf in the stadium with Buckleyfield on. And then, of course, I got married in Bielefeld to my wife, and my first kid was born in Bielefeld. So what more do you need? You know, is someone, like you're asking me now, the best football, the best time I had of my football career was in Bielefeld
1: when you're in germany you get to visit armenia or or you have a still a relationship
4: yeah. uh, i still have contact to all the fans through facebook and instagram for me in bielefeld i believe now they also open this african restaurant in bielefeld it's <laughs> called house it so um, I'm, I'm following in them they're selling south african food they have this african flag painted outside the restaurant and yeah, of course, I visit them. But my, my wife, she's from Bochum. So the most of the time when I go back, like now in December time, I went back to Bochum and I took my three daughters. And they have never experienced of being in a stadium with a full capacity. And then I took them to one of, to one of the games. And then like, they were like to me, uh, Papa, like Dad, did you really play here? Because they don't know, you know, a stadium full. Because in South Africa, when the teams play, you get one 2,000 people to come and watch you. Where in the second division in Germany, you get at least 15 to 20,000, 30,000 fans to come and watch you play. So for them, that was unnormal, you know, and they, they were so fascinated. Ah, you played for this club for nine years. They loved it, you know. So whenever I go back, I go to Bielefeld, I visit my ex colleagues, I go to uh, to um, to Bochum, same thing. And I have also one or two colleagues at Dortmund. Would you go and visit, the, you
3: know, the physio, the kit guy, uh, over Marela? Um I just uh, just want to add that actually at this moment, Bielefeld are almost back in the first league. They're about yeah. to get promoted. On, uh, I just figured they, they got a draw out of their game tonight, so they can't get it done on Monday. But I think late next week they can get the job done. There's actually, like, there's no way they won't play in the Bundesliga next year. What was it like coming
1: to
4: the Westfalen Stadion? From Bielefeld to Borussia Dortmund was for me something big. But the problem was the expectations was, was too high for me because you're coming from Bielefeld with 18 goals in the league, five goals in the cup, and everyone expecting Darren Buckley now to score 20 goals in the season as a left winger. One thing led to another. You know, I, I signed a four year contract. And the first year, it was really dramatic because I just couldn't find the net. And we had a lot of players that were injured because the coach that, that signed me at the time was Bert my bad. And his concept, because I was a, a good crosser, a good dribber down the left, a good crosser, he wanted me to feed Jan Koller, which was two meters 20. So that was my job. Well, he told me clearly, I, you know, you have pace, you can cross. I just want you to take on players, get into down the wing, put in crosses, and Jan Kohler will finish. So what happened when the league started? Jan Kohler, I think he tore his ligament, he tore his his ligament, and he was out. He couldn't play for about six, seven, seven months. So the whole idea was for me, I couldn't play left wing anymore. I had to play left in in uh, center midfield. And uh, as you and then you said yourself at the time that Dortmund had so much of debts. I think 120 million debts which there was so much problems going on at the club. The fans were unhappy. Uh, players had to cut their salaries. You know, there was a little bit of uncomfortableness of players in the changing because now they're earning so much money, they had to cut their salaries down. So I just came at the wrong at the wrong time, to be honest with you, because there were so much problems going on. And and to be honest with you, I couldn't produce at the time because I didn't know what was going on. Uh, and then one thing led to another... And things weren't working out for me. And then the fans were getting on my back. Why are you not scoring? You know, you're playing for a big team. I couldn't put my foot into Borussia Dortmund uh, uh, City because I would get spat at and, and stones thrown at me and things like that, which I could understand. Because if you come to Borussia Dortmund, you're playing for a big team. You need to produce. You need to score. You need to put on a performance. And it wasn't happening. But it wasn't only me. It was the whole team that weren't putting on a good performance and won winning games which was getting the fans very irritated and um, I mean that season for me it was the one of my worst seasons to be honest and then I asked Borussia Dortmund to please loan me out because I didn't have my mind free I didn't have my mojo I, I lost my, my I lost everything my technique my style everything I lost because of mentally so I had to I had to leave which was good for me and then from there I went to FC Basel I spent one year at FC Basel, got my mojo back, got my take-up, got playing good football. I became uh, Swiss Pokal uh, um, uh, uh, champion, what you call it, cup champion. Tell me, uh, you
1: know, people like Mats Hummels and uh, and, and Kuba uh, Vlasikovsky um, or Ebby Smoller. I mean, who are the guys who you remember? This is a question we always ask. What was your memorable match for Borussia Dortmund? And who were the guys that you remember from the locker room? Um, from you know, Kuba is a huge guy. I mean, surely he must have made an impression.
4: Yes, I was very, very good friends with Kuba. Um, he was, his character-wise, a top guy. Uh, I mean, when I came back from Basel to Borussia Dortmund, because they wanted me back, they saw me playing good football. I started, um, I became a regular player and now I started playing good. At uh, that same year, we made it to the DFB uh, Cup final against Bayern Munich. And it was, it was a good return because, you know, I, I, I started discovering how the Dortmund mentality works, how the fans think, the players. So I started getting very close to players you just mentioned, uh, Kuba. And the funniest thing, also Mats Hummels, because every time when I used to drive to training, as to drive past his flat, and at the time he didn't have, i think he didn't have a driving license. I had to pick him up uh, from his apartment, take him to training, and bring him back home every day. So uh, also we became very close. He was a young, a very young player. He was also learning the game, and I was teaching him, you know, character-wise, um, how to be a professional because I was in the game for a long time. And also, Ebi Smallery, good guy, you know, very hardworking uh leonardo did brazilian i was really close with him too so these are the guys that, you know that was um that, you know that would show me the trick of the trade of how the borussia dortmund full mentality works and i mean as i said as in, when i returned back to dortmund i realized what to do how to act how to play which then the fans started liking me
3: at dortmund can I just ask, because you mentioned Dede, his parties are famous in Germany. Did you ever attend his parties in Dortmund?
4: <laughs> no, nah, I heard about his parties, eh, but I couldn't because I was married. <laughs> I couldn't take a chance there.
3: And your Brazilian <laughs> was probably it, not as good.
4: <laughs> but I heard the change in his party was unbelievable. Even even uh, I heard... Um, well, Renault, not Ronaldo, yeah... Um, the players from uh, what's his name again? Kakan, they used to fly from AC Milan to come to his parties in Dortmund. So you can imagine how big his parties were.
3: Back then, I mean, when he met Mats Hummels, he was quite young. Could you already tell what kind of talent he was and what he would eventually become? Because for years he'd been the best uh, uh, defender on, uh, in Germany, the best German defender.
4: Yeah, of course. He was a really down to earth guy, um, very social. And uh, when he came at the time, as I said, uh, I think he was playing his, in his wrong position. They were trying to play him as a sixer, and Max Hummels okay. was never a sixer, never ever. And when they did discover that he's a centre back, is when his football sort of um, increasing. He sort of been playing good football, and he became a great asset for Borussia Dortmund. I mean, he wouldn't have won the World Cup if he wasn't that good. So,
1: and I guess, uh, I guess. Um one thing I would always love to know, I've always collected football shirts since I was young. Did you manage to get one of those, Dave people call those fantastic half-and-half Borussia Dortmund yellow and black shirts? It looks more like a rugby shirt. I guess I'm pretty familiar with rugby down in South Africa, Delrond.
4: I still have my, my shirt, definitely, because it was a highlight for me playing in the final in Berlin against Bayern Munich. So I was allowed to keep one shirt, which I, I put in, up in a frame. It's hanging in my room. And uh, the other one I changed with uh, T. Roberto, because I was also good friends with him. Because I used to play off the gangster, so I have T. Roberto's T-shirt. But I changed with so many teachers, with so many players in the Bundesliga. I have boxes and boxes of T-shirts. Change
1: T-shirts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely awesome! I would love to have one of those shirts. So, um, what's it like playing in front of the Tribuna? I guess uh, everybody would love to know that. I remember the wonderful rendition of your. Uh, you, you said you had a mixed relationship with the Tribuna. but for your thirtieth birthday, there was a, there's a wonderful clip which we're hoping to add to this podcast of the Tribuna singing "Happy Birthday, Delron." Do you remember that?
4: Yeah, I remember that. Yes definitely how can i it was uh, that was one of the great one of the best feelings to be honest with you i uh, will never uh, forget that
3: And dölgen
4: und der hat heute geburtstag der wird 30 jahre ich denke wir können ihm ein ständchen singen
0: happy birthday
3: Nobby. Klasse, Klasse, Applaus von uns hier von der Pressetribüne. Das fanden sie alle geil und der Darwin auch. Der klatscht,
4: der applaudiert. Der and and uh, I, I think I came in the se- in the 78th minute. I was I was uh, substituted. And then all of a sudden uh, the guy standing in the spirit I think it was Norbert tickle. Tickle. started saying No but tickle, yeah, no but tickle. Darren Barkley turns 30 today. Let's wish <laughs> him. And then I had eighty thousand singing "Happy Birthday" for me. I mean, who? Which player from Dortmund gets 80,000, 85,000 to sing for you "Happy Birthday" when you turn thirty? So that for me, that was something special. And I thank the fans up until today, you know, for that for that amazing, amazing thing.
1: I'm just going to jump in and ask you your debut for the national team. We asked uh, Nicholas the same thing, and he talks a lot about his his. Uh pride in getting that letter uh, from the national team and uh, asking him to come to the uh, I mean, what was it like for you to play for SA for the first time? It must have been pretty awesome,
4: no? Yeah, for me it was one of the greatest things because um, playing playing for your country, especially uh, my my whole family lives in South Africa and it was for my family, special wise it was an honour for them that one of their kids was representing their country and I believe if you're born in the country, you must play for that country. And I was born in South Africa, and I always knew I was going to play for South Africa if I had the opportunity, and I did. You probably have kept that first
1: South Africa shirt somewhere very special.
4: Yeah, uh, well, everything's in the box. I got to check. I'm sure I have. I have my 50th kept where I, where I had to got all the guys to sign and so on. So it's somewhere in the boxes. I will check. I'll give it to you, Benjamin. <laughs> oh wow I'll
1: tell you what if I come and visit you in South Africa you can give it to me
4: yeah, you, you're more than welcome to come visit guys anytime, let me know uh, we, we need to bring it
1: to a close but I want to just ask you about the work you're doing now, I know you've done some charity work, you've written your biography, you're running the academy and so on um, let me ask you a question perhaps a little bit controversial Delron you've grown up in um, you've grown up in uh, in a in a in a multicultural society, but it wasn't always multicultural, was it? At the moment, there's the issue of, of, of Black Lives Matter and so on, in, in, in the U.S. and the U.K. and so on. How does it feel when you're watching that as somebody who's grown up in a country which has had to fight so hard for for racial equality and for respect for for all different sections of society and so
4: on? You know, when I when I saw it, it's very, it's, it's, it's 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 hard it's, it's hard hurting. It's very really heart sick. You know, but um, you know, I'm also married to, to a white woman, a German white woman, and I believe every life matters, not only black or white. Every every life matters, and a children, you know, in no country you shouldn't be judged by the color of your skin. You know, because everybody should be treated the same. I mean, I lived in South Africa in apartheid, you know, so I know I know the the feeling what what it is. You know, to be judged by your color, which is which is unpleasant, you know, I mean, the world should start by What happened now in America to stop? Being racism, you know because of the color if, if you cut someone's someone's hand open what what color comes out? Huh? By a black man red blood comes out by a white man red blood comes out So we all the same we all the same. It doesn't matter the color of your skin So everyone should be treated the same with respect
0: some really poignant words to end the interview with Delron Buckley. And for us as Borussia Dortmund fans, it was uh, really a special experience uh, for our zero ninth episode to talk to uh, a winger with so much Bundesliga history, having scored so many goals and so much international football experience. Um, I left to share with you the social media tags. Uh, Delron Buckley can be found on Facebook at the Delron Buckley soccer school. Philip Buchner and Colm McNabola can both be found on Twitter. And it's Philip Buchner, B-U-C-H-N-E-R, and Colm McNabola, which is spelled M-C-N-A-B-O-L-A. And the Borussia Dortmund London Fan Club, as always, can be found at Facebook. And also our website is borussia dortmund londoncouk So I hope you enjoyed the show. And um, tune in next week, where we will be talking... To Nick Wildhagen, the editor of Talking Fußball, about the Erste FC Kaiserslautern situation and going over the potential promotion candidates from the Zweite Liga and Dritte Liga and generally looking at some of the uh, traditionsmannschaft or historical clubs of Germany. See you soon. Bye bye.